Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hello, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and today we're gonna cover what to do when you're parenting your highly sensitive child and they just flip a switch in their interests and how you can keep up with your highly sensitive kid or teen who just seems to be able to turn off things that they used to love and enjoy. This can be really hard uh, parenting a highly sensitive kid or teen, especially if you start to notice that your kiddo is shrinking their world. So make sure that we stay tuned and, and we'll talk all about it. All right, so here at MTC, we know how to help parents break out of that meltdown cycle observing that you could be struggling with daily meltdowns, your child is hitting, kicking, screaming, running away, saying things like, I hate you, or you don't love me, life would be better off without me, or I might as well run away. And when your child is struggling with this, these big emotional experiences, as especially parenting a highly sensitive child, this is a very specific problem to have, right? But it's also a very draining and exhausting problem to have. And if your child is shutting down, running away up to their room, slamming doors, closing down, or just staying glued on their screens, and and this is for children of all ages, including teenagers, then this can feel exhausting in a different way, right? Just trying to knock on the door of your kid's mind and heart, trying to to figure out a way in, right? And, and, And that's quite exhausting for your child as well when they are literally turning their whole body inward and um, their mind and their heart is just simply not able to connect with you and tell you what's wrong and and as a parent this can feel quite frustrating when you know you're you feel like you know your child you're trying to understand their interests you're learning about their likes and dislikes so that that you can help them enjoy a, a wonderful and and engaging life and especially during a pandemic or any other limitations or lockdown those interests are already limited right and and so when we think about the challenges that you can have and when your child who's sensitive suddenly tells you that they are no longer interested in things that they used to to love this is very very surprising for you as a parent right but it also is is puzzling and uh, worrisome because when sensitive kids stop liking things that they like usually um, we see this as a sign of a child starting to continuously respond in fear and uh, this isn't something like all of a sudden your kid is into um, you know bluey instead of octonauts right for younger children i'm I'm referencing uh, hot topics here right Uh, no i'm not talking about changing interests and 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 basically changing their mind right what i'm talking about is when your sensitive kid is shrinking their world and refusing to do things that they used to enjoy and 
when we consider the the, the whole um, observation that your your kids are dealing with lockdown mm -hmm. in various ways, depending on your country, uh, depending on your state, if you're in the U.S., right? Um, that's certainly a factor to observe, but we know that you've been dealing with this problem for a lot longer than the last couple of years. And so we can't blame the pandemic or lockdown to, um, in, in terms of what's driving your child's inhibition and your child's uh, desire to shut down their interests. We have to look deeper than that because highly sensitive kids and kids alike who know what they like and who enjoy what they like uh, they keep that going and they, and they stay curious. But when your child is stuck in judgment, then it's incredibly important that uh, we help them move out of that, judging that things just won't work for them, judging that things won't, um, won't be the same, judging that they won't be able to enjoy themselves or that uh, it's just too hard. This is important because that's a pretty clear sign that your child isn't only paralyzed by anxiety or frustration or anger, but also they're starting to lose hope. You know, isolation is one symptom of depression. And so when we think about being able to break out of this pattern where your child is starting to isolate themselves, it's incredibly important to look at this as a serious concern because highly sensitive kids stuck in the meltdown cycle have a pretty clear trajectory towards that perpetuating to, to more serious issues like depression, like acting on suicidal thoughts, etc. And this isn't something that I'm just touting uh, to, um, you know, to motivate you to change right now. This is something that's pervasive in the research. Researching highly sensitive people has been something that Elaine Aaron has done since the 1990s. But Marsha Linehan started the subset of researching sensitive people who engage in extreme behaviors to include chronic suicidal thoughts, chronic self-harm, and she started that research in the 60s. So this is something that, that psychologists have researched for over 60 years. I'm not touting research that is new. We're not talking about quote unquote strong-willed children, right? The, a new fad that, that just came out in the last 10 years. We're talking about sensitivity in the personality that was designed and, and depicted in psychological research in uh, over a century ago. Carl Jung wrote about the sensitive personality trait without naming it in the 1920s. And then Marsha Linehan studied it specifically in the mental health world in the 1960s. And then Elaine Aaron determined that it's actually a personality trait and uh, the sensitivity component, the behaviors can get extreme in a subset of highly sensitive people, highly sensitive children and teenagers. And so she focused on uh, assuming that highly sensitive people don't all end up with those extreme behavioral concerns, like being stuck in the meltdown cycle, which is our specialty here at MTC, but that she studied highly sensitive people in general, right? All 20% of the highly sensitive um, of, the, of the human population. And then uh, beyond that, we found that the, the highly sensitive personality trait uh, and the factors of that, the components of that personality trait, the strengths and gifts of that personality trait can actually be found in over 100 different species. So this is something that isn't um, 
a fad. It's not the same as autism spectrum disorder. It is not the same as just saying someone is neurodivergent and pointing to a concern of a mental illness or a mental health issue. This is a temperament type. Temperament is the same as somebody who uh, would consider themselves to be type A. That's a temperament type, right? Um, temperament type could be somebody who is easygoing. Okay, I'm not using specific uh, psychological terms to, you know, type A, type B, introvert, extrovert, those are also personality traits um, to, to name all of them, but the highly sensitive personality trait is a specific temperament type. This is not a mental health disorder. It does not need to be treated as an illness or something that's broken. Okay, now when your child is stuck in the meltdown cycle, there is a family dynamic problem that needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed family-wide because parents of highly sensitive kids are the change agent. You are the ones who change your kid. And, and this, is, this has been spoken about pervasively in Lewis's research. It's been alluded to in Elaine Aaron's research, though um, in, in her book she speaks about how you can parent a highly sensitive child. She doesn't explicitly talk about how that is the, the most and best, the most effective and best way to do it because she didn't have, uh, she wasn't privy to the more recent research that was published in the 2000s, right? And so in, in uh, affecting this, because she wrote her book in the 90s, <laughs> Um, and, and then, you know, her first book on, on adults it was started in the 90s. And so when we think about being able to observe how the research on highly sensitive people has um, evolved into what we know here at MTC to be true and what we see after helping hundreds of families break out of this meltdown cycle, it is very important to observe that as a parent of a highly sensitive child, our job is to balance the fact that things need to change immediately if you're stuck in that meltdown cycle and you get to hold that key to hope so that you no longer have to feel like uh, the experience that your child is having is something that you don't have a hand in changing. And, and that is our mission here because what is super important for you to understand is that children stuck in the meltdown cycle are much more likely to develop those extreme behaviors in adolescence and adulthood, chronic suicidality, chronic experiences of self-harm. Uh, these, are, these are adults who engage, who are in and out of the hospital, who engage in suicidal actions. Um, you know, they take action to try to end their life or to t attempt to end their life, or they are hurting themselves, cutting themselves pretty seriously, ingesting things that, that um, are meant to cause body, bodily harm, etc. Those specific major uh, behavioral concerns for a specific uh, group of highly sensitive people who grow up in an invalidating environment and experience extreme emotions develop even more extreme behaviors in adolescence. The meltdown cycle and, and into adulthood. The meltdown cycle doesn't solve itself. And great news, you get to address it. Okay, you are, as a parent are the change agent for your child. So when your child says, no, I don't want to go to, um, you know, to our class anymore, or I don't like gymnastics, it's really important that we don't just take your child's word at face value. You have to look at the entire family environment and their entire and how you're impacting your child, especially if if they are also hitting siblings or having meltdowns in other avenues, right? Because that is all related. This is a bigger picture issue. 
issue than your child just uh, deciding to no longer like a thing that they used to like, right? It's not that simple um, as just changing their mind. It, it is important to understand that highly sensitive kids who stop engaging in things that they used to enjoy are much more likely to be exhibiting symptoms of the meltdown cycle in those experiences, uh, though they might not be melting down when they're refusing to go to, to different things of different interests, okay? So what's important for you to notice, and especially as a parent, we hear this all the time, parents can wonder if their child is just trying to manipulate them. Maybe that today, the, you know, it's gymnastics time, but they were in the middle of watching their, um, you know, the favorite show on their tablet, and now it's time to turn it off, and then all of a sudden, uh, we have, a t uh, you know, we're navigating a ticking time bomb here where your kid's saying, but I told you earlier I didn't want to go. I don't like gymnastics anymore, right? Well, what could be the factors there? Could be that, that the child's uh, coach, a gymnastics coach, has been um, pretty strict lately and, and, and supporting your child and growing in a certain skill. And the delivery of that message from the coach has been tough for your child to handle and your child isn't able to advocate for their needs, right? Could be, could be that, could be something as straightforward as that, uh, but it could be much more complicated than that. It could be related to your child's worries that uh, they won't be able to reach the goals that they have or their frustration related to perfectionism. Any or all of the above could be related to your child not wanting to go. And so it's really important that you don't jump to the conclusion that your kid's just trying to manipulate you, that they would just rather stay home and, um, and be on their screens. Because taking your child's current interests at face value and then taking their other current interests and trying to compare the two uh, can be quite a short-sighted decision. So we want to understand this. Um, the first thing that we help our parents understand consistently, and this is a really big mindset shift for some parents, especially if you were parented in a certain way yourself, is that no one can manipulate you without your consent. I'm going to say that again. No one can manipulate you without your consent. That means that your child, if they are engaging in a behavior and you are responding in a certain way, it's incredibly important for you to notice that your response, though might feel automatic, is, is a choice when you have skills to stop your automatic responses. Okay, and so, so when we build skills with the parents that we work with, they can stop feeling like their kid is, is pulling their strings, okay? Um, and then obviously that impacts your ability as a parent to feel like you can implement, implement different strategies with your kid and that you can influence your child because no child was put on this earth to be miserable and no child wants to feel disconnected from their parents. And that is something that we firmly believe here at MTC and it's critically important for you to believe as a parent of a sensitive kid and, and a parent of any child. Um, your child might be struggling, but that does not mean that they are trying to actively sabotage their relationship with you or that they're trying to actively sabotage their relationships with others. It is, a, it is as simple and as complicated as observing that your kiddo doesn't feel capable in creatively solving their problems. And that is a much more um, effective way to, to take a look at how to help your child break out of this pattern. Right, because if a child thinks that they cre creatively solve the problem, then they don't need to go to outright refusal as their go-to. Right? We could talk about flexibility. We talk about compromise. We talk about uh, negotiation, but um, within reason. Right? And all of those are effective skills for kids to develop, but not with urgency and fervor and intense passion to the point where you don't think your kid will follow through on what you want them to do, which is grow grow out of their comfort zone because if you're not growing you're shrinking 
And that's important for you as a parent to understand because in, in terms of breaking out of this pattern, uh, parents who are, are thinking that they are the victim of the circumstances of their kids uh, really stay stuck in this, in this meltdown cycle so much more effectively and uh, pervasively than parents who understand that, uh, that they have the ability to break out of this pattern and they are the ones who need to lead their children to break out of this pattern. The concept of vantage sensitivity is what, what uh, this is a psychological and scientific concept, vantage sensitivity, is what drives the understanding of not only this research, but also how we help our, our clients. Because everything that we do is not only science-backed, but it's also experience-backed. We've helped countless families, and, and our families have, um, our own personal families, are, are quite a testament to the, to the fact that the opposite doesn't work. And, um, you know, unfortunately, many of us have, have personal experiences where, um, where, where we've experienced family members that didn't get the help that they needed and they continue to suffer in their adulthood and or, um, you know, we don't have relationships with those, those, those adults' relatives because of, of the level of suffering that the family has endured. And, and so when I think about all of my uh, team members here at MTC and uh, the, the, the deep dedication to being able to break out of that pattern, uh, for, you know, help other people not, not endure that suffering, it's very important that we have a clear conversation, right? Anybody um, who has experienced early loss in their family um, is going to tell you that life is short, right? Um, and, and we're, you know, they're not going to sugarcoat things and think that everything's going to be fine and hunky dory. And, uh, it's probably time, good time to, to have a reminder here for you. If you've just started following us, um, I've lost several family members to suicide and drug abuse and, um, drug dependence. And so it's very important to, um, to notice that, uh, you know, here at MTC, that's our mission is to eliminate suicidal thoughts and actions for highly sensitive people around the world. And, um, and to do that systematically by helping one family at a time eliminate the meltdown cycle. And that's a big, tall order we have here at MTC, but it's something that we take very seriously. I've lost uh, very, very close family members to suicide. And um, I've also lost close family members to heroin addiction. And the understanding that um, solving this problem requires you to address it early and seriously and not engage in enabling uh, fear in the family dynamic is something that we just simply here aren't, you know, we're not here to beat around the bush at MTC. And that's fine for you if, if, if um, you know, if that's not a fit, if that feels hard to listen to and, and um, your child is dealing with the daily meltdown cycle, but you don't think for, for whatever reason um, that that is going to escalate, then, you know, more power to you and, and totally wish you the best in, in solving that problem. And for those of you who are listening and you know that you're fixers and you highly value evidence-based approaches, um, you know, pro approaches that have data to back them up, uh, make sure that you stick around because when we think about the importance of understanding psychological data, um, neurological data in terms of, of neuroscience and the, the, um, the team members on our team who, who study that, in addition to occupational therapy and um, the experiences we have for, for the coaches and consultants on our team with, with that level of, of experience in, um, in the profession, it's important to, to, you know, to have that clarity that what we've done in our, in our 
private practices and in the healthcare world has been taken out of the healthcare world into the coaching world and to solve this problem uh, just through parent-child relationships. And to do that uh, effectively requires a lot of evidence, requires a lot of strategy, right? And, and so it's important for you to understand that you might not like to hear what we have to say, um, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't hear it. <laughs> um, so here we have it, right? Your child isn't trying to uh, just refuse to go to their favorite summer camp for this year just because uh, they want to be lazy, right? It's really important not to judge uh, your child and their fear and just make declarative statements like that. Uh, we got to look deeper than that, okay? So when your child is having those meltdowns, it's really important not to take your kids' worries or fears at face value and only tackle that, right? That's one of the things that doesn't work in, um, in addressing this from a therapy standpoint, using mental health therapy to solve the problem of the daily meltdowns because kids typically are, are stuck um, listening to their parents report the problem of the week. And, and then the therapist is tasked with fixing the problem of the week, but the problem of the week isn't what's causing the problem. Um, and, and, and that's really important because if you've heard, you know, the concerns related to whatever it is that your kiddo, kiddo is, is saying they don't want to do this this week, of course, that feels urgent for you right now. But the bigger concern that you need to be focused on is what's actually causing that sense of feeling like your kid can't handle problems and can't pivot in circumstances that they used to enjoy. Um, and, and, and what's leading to that belief that it's better off to just not even try right? Um, that, that's much more important to dive into and you need to be able to do that in a strategic way. So how do we do that, right? How do we, how do we address this so that your kid stops closing the world down even more so than lockdown's already doing for your family? You need to be able to break out of this pattern specifically by looking at what you are doing to react to the problem in a way that's keeping it stuck, right? And just like I said, are you taking your kids' words at face value? Are you saying, okay, honey, I don't think you can handle it either um, in your words or in your actions, right? And, uh, and if that's the case, then you're, you're going to need to address that. Step one in, in fixing this problem is noticing how you as a parent are keeping the problem uh, going. And the next piece is, is taking advantage of, of the, the research which demonstrates that highly sensitive kids respond more effectively when they feel heard, understood, cared for, that parents get them, right? So that requires you to know the sensitive personality trait well enough to get where your kid falls in that, um, but also to understand how all of the behaviors that you notice need to change for your child for them to live their best life are related to one simple thing, the personality trait, uh, because they can seem and feel like separate and, and unrelated issues. Um, and that's critically important because when you're trying to help your child accept themselves, they need to know that being highly sensitive can be a gift, can be um, a superpower, but only if they feel like a superhero. And uh, if your child doesn't believe that they can solve problems creatively and combat the crime in their mind of, of, of just living stuck in worry, right? Stay with my metaphor here, hopefully. Then, um, then they're gonna stay stuck, right? They don't, they're, not gonna, they're not gonna be able to, um, to hear you when you try to teach coping skills, taking deep breaths, going to a calm down corner, whatever it is that, um, that's being touted on, on 
other you know quick fix uh, platforms that you might be following and the understanding of of this issue is is really important for you to know so that you can give your kid feedback you know you can give your kid um, pretty clear feedback on what to do differently and how to do it um, without your child spinning into I'm so sorry I'm such a bad kid I'll never be able to get there uh, I might as well not even try and uh, that requires you to know shame inside and out and um, and and that experience requires some education you know we, we think about the research around shame uh, related to highly sensitive people and related to human beings in general um, there's a lot to learn with that being said uh, breaking out of that understanding of, of um, you know that your child is is just responding out of refusal right but rather that they don't feel like they can um, you have to be able to tease out where your child's big deep feelings are sitting and what feels um, impossible for them right now and then where you know that they feel that they have the capacity to grow and once you have the capacity to to um, sense your child's sense of self uh, then it's a lot easier for you to help them grow that sense of self into, into possibility, grow out of that uh, current comfort zone and into the growth zone of, of you know, one might, if, if, you've, if you've studied growth mindset, right? We're always growing. If we're not growing, we're shrinking. And um, that, that, that whole understanding that um, the, the, the development of the human mind and the development of relationships takes work. And uh, the work that you're doing right now is, is trying to walk on eggshells and trying to avoid meltdown. So, so uh, it can be easy to, to think about swapping that work out, right? Um, and, and so we invite you to consider that, the, the ability to uh, notice that it might take a, some time. We help parents shift out of this meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. And it might take some time during the week to do that, right? A couple hours of work with your kid, understanding and learning, etc. But what's really important about this is that what you get to do is, is swap out the time that you're trying to avoid or hold your breath or, um, you know, just losing your cool with your kiddo because you're exhausted and tired and, and you've had enough and you just need the kid to get in the freaking car, right? Um, and obviously, uh, I'm speaking to those of you who might be outcome-oriented, who can get frustrated more easily, um, and parents, as, as parents, we're all human, and we need to have the skills to not talk to our kids in that way, but also when our brains say, get in the freaking car, kid, um, we need to know how to manage that without just shutting our brains down, right? Um, without just pretending we didn't think that thought. We need to be able to slow down, calm down, and then say something effective to our kids that's actually going to move the needle in them taking, um, taking our, our leadership. And, and, and that requires not just calm and, and playfulness, but it also requires creativity. And if you yourself are stuck in fear, it's incredibly difficult to get creative. Um, and, and so when we think about what, what works, right? Breaking out of this pattern, knowing how to solve the problem consistently, and to do that repeatedly so that the meltdown cycle actually ends rather than just seeing the behaviors that you don't wanna see end, uh, that requires professional support. It requires professional eyes on the situation. Looking at the, the family dynamic is not something that um, that is easy for you to be able to uh, to break this down on your own without a, a strategy and um, and and we're happy to have a conversation with you to figure out if our strategy here at MTC is what's actually going to work for your particular family. 
So I encourage you to book a call, meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk or meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash teen talk. Uh, parents of eighth graders and U.S. eighth grade and under would, would do the first link. And then the second one with teenagers is, is high school age and up. And, um, and so when we think about that, that challenge, you need to be able to notice how to get your kid to be curious, right? Um, and, and you can't convince somebody to be curious. They need to be calm enough to be curious. So when we think about being able to break that out, uh, it's why we have coaches on the phone, okay? Or why you're going to speak to a coach with us to, to break out of this pattern so you can, you can get curious about what's available to your family and what your big dreams are. And you can allow yourself to not only feel that hope, but make a decision that that hope is achievable for you. Those hopes are attainable for you with a proven system. And like I said uh, before, and you'll hear me say it again, I don't know if what we do will work for your particular family. We have to have a conversation about that. Uh, and, and if it doesn't, you know, if we're sure that what we do isn't going to help you, um, then we would absolutely point you in the direction of what's going to work instead, okay? Um, because there's, there's certain pieces that you might need to have in play before what we do becomes applicable, or uh, the meltdown cycle is not caused by the fact that your kid's highly sensitive and there's a family dynamic issue. And, and if that's the case, then obviously we would, we would send you um, with, with a plan to find the proper, a prop, the proper professional support. All right, happy to have that conversation with you. We are looking forward to that conversation with you. And uh, we'll see you on the next show. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson. And we look forward to speaking to you soon.